Returning now to the first canto, Srimad Bhagavatam, first chapter, we were discussing before the, the festival. And uh, this chapter consists of a various questions, six questions, asked by the sages of Naimi Sharanya, headed by Shonaka. And they're asking, Sutta Goswami. We've heard a bit about that. How Sutta Goswami came to be um, seated and, and to preside over the assembly of sages that was previously presided over by his father um, by way of the intervention of, of Balaram and um, on account of his father, Sutta Goswami's father, not acknowledging Balaram. And we heard in the last verse that we discussed, mentioned directly of Balaram, Balaram and Krishna, who were described as Atimatyani and Krishna in particular, Gudakapata Manushaha. So the subject, as we'll hear here, coming now to the last three verses of the chapter, is about Krishna, Krishna's avatars, Krishna's leelas. They asked about the um, essence of life, the essence of the scripture. They wanted to know all these things. Six questions. They wanted to know what's the most uh, best way one can spend one's life, what's the essence of the scripture by which understanding one's self will become satisfied. What is the uh, reason that Krishna appeared as the son of Devaki and Vasudev? Um, please, fourth question, tell us about his um, his um, activities and so forth. In which, through which the different avatars also express themselves, because they're all in him. Tell us about the different avatars and their leelas, and we come tonight. Then to the to the sixth question. It's a it's a huge uh, chapter, as it turns out, not long in in verse. It's only twenty twenty three verses, but uh, very uh, profound is the questioning of the sages, and of course. All of that questioning is what's giving rise to the great speech of Sutta Goswami, a reiteration of what he heard from Sukadev, the Srimad Bhagavatam, in the present form, so to speak, that we have today. So, again, now here comes the last question, but we ended with um, verse, uh, verse what? Verse uh, 20, hmm, where again, Ram and Krishna are glorified, and the f- further inquiry about the sages concerning their pastimes, Krishna and Ram together, they want to know about them. And um, they're atimatyani, they're superhuman, they're human, but they're not human, they're, they're um, gudakapata, manusha, they're masked and uh, full of 
different meanings. They appear as humans, they act as God, they appear as God, they're God, they act like humans, and so on. So, tonight he says, the sages say, Kalim Agatam Agnaya. Chetresmin Vaishnave Vayam Asena Dirga Satrena Katayam Sakshanahare. So this again now is maybe the third time in this chapter that Kali Yuga is mentioned. It was mentioned after the first question and mentioned um, again in terms of Krishna's um, name, the power of Krishna's name to deliver one from the effects of Kali Yuga. And here again, Kalim Agatam Agnaya. So with the, they're saying it with the arrival of the Kali Yuga, with, the, with awareness, Agyaya, uh, Agatam, with the awareness of the arrival of Kali, Chetre Smin Vaishnavevayam. Assembled here, Chetre, in this place, this is the sacred place, described here as Vaishnavevayam. Um, a place that's especially meant for Vaishnavas because it is, as we heard in the beginning of the chapter, this Naimi, Naimi Sharanya is uh, named after Vishnu. So it's a Vaishnav Tirtha. Animisha means what? Not blinking. So it's a name for Vishnu. It means, as we've heard earlier, that God doesn't blink, so he doesn't miss anything. This is the point. You can't hide anything from him. Oh. He's attacking a kiwi. Go, Pati. Go. So they've gathered in a holy place, a holy place that is um, named after Vishnu, who doesn't blink. So there's no secrets to hide from him, and in this place, his secrets are told. (laughs) That uh, is, of course, Srimad Bhagavatam, secrets about the personality of Godhead. So a sacred place. Kali Yuga, Asina Dirga Satrena. We're seated here, Dirga Satrena, Kataya Sakshana Hare. And um, there's a reference to why they were seated here. And the implication is previous to Sutta Goswami's taking the seat of esteem and, and presiding. Um, they had gathered there for a long time, a thousand year sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a different purpose. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned in the first verse, they, they were gathered to hear the description of the scriptures and perform sacrifice with swarga in mind, with heaven in mind. Um, but now that with the entrance of Sutta Goswami at the intervention 
of Balaram, the interest in the sages has come to a new level. So such is the power, as we've been hearing in this chapter, of Sadhusanga. And we can see, excuse me, from their questions, that they're no longer interested in heaven, which takes a long time. Yeah, implication is a thousand years. That's a long time. It takes a long time to get to heaven. And when you get there, you come back and start over again. So this is a long, long route, really, with no end. But in a very short time, even in the blinking of an eye, if you will, by good association, the course of our life can be changed. So knowing well that Kali Yuga has come, we're assembled here in a holy place, to hear at great length now the message of the Personality of Godhead. Sakshana hmm? Harehe. So, um, and this brings then, this is curious then, to Sutta Goswami, who's naturally unassuming hmm? as a sage, and uh, he wonders, what's the cause? of your change of interest, that's surprising. You were gathered here for something else, but now you you become fixated on on a much deeper topic. And of course, he's prepared to speak about that, but it's curious. And of course, the reason is him, but he's, he's unassuming and um, doesn't take credit, as we'll see in the next chapter now, in a couple of verses, he's going to start to speak according to the interest of the audience, and the interest of the audience is relative to the speaker. Well, he's created a new, uh, another level of interest in them. So this is the, the chemistry required for such a great discourse. <clears throat> Earnest inquiry and a qualified speaker, and the qualified speaker can create, the idea is here, um, earnest inquiry, a sense of urgency and so forth, and uh, uh, interest in that which is essential. Scriptures being vast, containing many topics, apparently take, taking us in uh, in many possible different directions. The fact is, it's all really, if we study it comprehensively, saying one thing and pushing and pushing pushing us in one direction, and that is what the result of hearing these scriptures from a person as qualified as Sutta Goswami uh, is, and as we'll hear, as he begins to speak, then he's unassuming, so he's surprised at their interest, even though that he, he's the cause of it. He doesn't think, yes, I'm, I'm causing that. Um, and so he, he will begin, as we'll hear at the onset of the next chapter, he'll offer his respects to Sukadev Goswami, hmm? from whom he got the power to speak this. He, he's giving the credit, as it should be, to the Guru Parampara. So, Tamna Sandarshito Dhatra Dushtaram Nistitishatam Kalim Satvaharam Pumsam Karnadari Varnava. It's a nice verse. Sometimes we used to sing it for Prabhupada. Um, the sages are continuing and they've spoken beautifully about Sutta Goswami. They've glorified glorified him in many ways throughout the chapter and here in the second of the last verse. They do as well poetically 
they have given a nice metaphor. They said, Tvam nasandarshito datra. You, Prabhupada translates it, your goodness, your holiness. Tvam you na sandarshito datra. That we have met you. And uh, in their praise and in the, the poetic praise, there's deep um, philosophical implications as well. Tvamna sandarshito tatra. Tatra means by luck, by providence. By providence we've met you. Brahmanda Bromite Kon, Bhagyavan Jeev, Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai, Bhakti Lataviraj. Brahmanda is a big, um, the universe, and Brahmanda Brahmite means wandering throughout the universe, indeed throughout many universes, and uh, um, somehow or other, Brahmanda Brahmite Kon, Kon, we've become Bhagya. Bhagyavan, Bhagya means lucky. And what is the luck? What is the the fortune, providence uh, that we uh, we meet the guru? Mm-hmm. So they're saying here by 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 providence somehow or other we met you here. The fact is, of course, as I've said many times, luck in the Bhagavatam, good fortune means. Sadhusanga. He has actually created their good fortune. Why is the Sadhusanga good fortune? Because it's something that comes about not by anything that we do. It's not a product of anything we do. It's not within. It, 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 it's, it's, it's in but not of the world of cause and effect. Therefore, we hear that the Sadhus for example, in the Gita, the Mahatmas, the Mahatmas, the great souls, those souls who have become big. As I said, the soul expands by giving and it contracts by taking. They're called Mahatma, big souls. They become such big souls, Mahatmas, Tumamparta, Daivim Prakritim, Mahashrita. There's a Daivim Prakritim that is means the surup shakti and ashrita. They've taken shelter of that. So they're moving under that influence. Not the maya shakti, which is the realm of karma, cause and effect. We do something, we get a result. And in the karma mark, the dharma mark, same idea. We do something, we perform a sacrifice for a thousand years, we get to go to heaven, or whatever may be our objective. Hmm? So this is a idea is just a whole different thing going on here, and that's the upper end, in one sense, of material life to perform a sophisticated sacrifice according to the injunctions of the scripture to live according to those uh, mandates and, and and so forth to get a good result. So they're getting a very extraordinary result. And they've got sadhusanga. It's Beyond, it's out of, from out of the realm of karma, so it's coming on its own. Therefore, it's it's good fortune, it's luck. It means it's it's probably sometimes use the word causeless. There's no cause for it. The devotee is not moving for a cause. 
means he's moving out of love, love for Krishna. So love knows no reason, they say. Hmm? It's outside of the realm of cause and effect. And because of that, that can bring us out of the web of karma, action, reaction, which is so um, entangling. It would be it's just a, impossible to sort out. Krishna describes it in the Gita as insurmountable. Mama Maya Durataya. Maya Maya is insurmountable. So, oh, what a web we weave when at first we choose to deceive. And the deception is that, that ahankar, that meeting of consciousness and matter. Matter is in a kind of undifferentiated form. The modes are, are, um, or I say, um, neither one is taking precedence of another. This is the idea of the pradhan and the consciousness. This conscious spark hits the pradhan and sets this thing in motion. Like like you turn on the TV and there's a whole world there. And so you go in there and then you identify with it and so forth. So the show of material nature that's turned on by the spark of consciousness, the birth of the world that has as its seed consciousness, ambijapatapita, Krishna says, I'm the seed, giving father into the womb of material nature. It starts this pregnancy and gives birth to the whole fantastic show that we call life in the world. It's it's vast and, and we, we, we then identify with the show, and there, there's a that's called a hunkar, and to hunkar then this this in combination with sattva um, uh, comes mind, and with uh, rajas comes intelligence, and with, with tamas come the sense objects and the senses and so forth. This is the sankhya, of the Bhagavatam, a kind of a a, a what would you call it, emanation-ism. It's not really creation in the Bhagavatam. The idea of creation in the Christian world is that, is that what, is the, what is the Latin for that? Ex nihilo or something? Uh, something. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. Out of nothing the world has come by the magic of the Godhead. Uh, the idea in the, in the Bhagavad school is different. Whatever is will always be. Whatever is not will never be. Hmm? So um, the the world is, is forming and transforming and coming and going. Bhutva bhutva praliyate, coming and going, coming and going over and over again. So it's not really a creation per se. It's not the best word. We the word shristi, We I guess we sometimes translate it as creation, but it's. It means the world, um, uh, and uh, uh, it's an, it, it, it emanates, so to speak. So, at any rate, the, there's there's life beyond the world of of this combination of matter and spirit, matter and consciousness. And the sages are of that order, if you will, not under cause and effect. So, by good fortune, we've met you. Hmm. It's a it's a it's a grace. Um, it's uh, it's it's good luck. So we we kind of like thank our 
lucky stars. This is the idea. This is you know, it's, a, it's with real gratitude we enter into the spirit of bhakti. Somehow or other, it, it happened to us, and it didn't happen to somebody else, at least not yet, or it didn't happen to them to the same extent yet. It's happening everywhere. Would be the idea of the movement of the of the devotees creating hmm, that um, sukriti and so forth. But it it dawns upon us it, in, in shraddha. Hmm. Shraddha is a product of a, not a product, but it happens in the context of sadhu sangha. So two types of sadhu sangha: that which gives birth to to the faith by which we can tread the path, and that which strengthens the faith by which we can tread the path that much better and stay on it. So they're appropriately identifying their good fortune as such. By good luck, we've met you. And then the, the, the poetry here, that dushtaram nishtitirshatam kalim sattva harapumsam karnadara ivarnavam so, again, Kali Yuga is mentioned. It's a big problem, so it comes up again and again. Not only the material world is a problem, but Kali Yuga, in the context of the material um, show, is, is particularly problematic. So, Kalim Sattva Haram. It's a brief description again of Kali Yuga. Sattva Haram. It is that time in which Sattva haram, goodness is killed. We met your goodness at a time in which there's no goodness, practically. Such is our good fortune, such is our luck. At a time when when it's even harder to hard to find any goodness at all, such goodness has come to us. Such good luck has come to us. We are holding fast here. We're paying attention to every word that you will say. We're kind of hanging on, on, on every word with anticipation. Hmm? This is the kind of eagerness that they have that is fostering this Bhagavatam. Hmm? I mean, it's a great text. Sukha Sutta Goswami is filled with its implications. Having heard it from Sutta Goswami, he wants to share it, but not everybody's interested. Here, by circumstance, he was placed in, in, as the presider over the assembly of sages who had gathered for an entirely different reason. He's thinking, oh great, what do I do now? What am I going to talk to them about? But his own presence um, took the level of their religious interest to new heights. So now he's thinking, that, wow, good fortune of me. My good fortune that the, that, I, that their interest is this is rare. He's thinking, hmm? how is this possible? You gathered for a thousand year sacrifice for something entirely different, and now you're interested in this. This is my good fortune. Well, this is the relationship between the speaker and the inquirer. Hmm? Here we have it in the form of Sutta Goswami and the, and the sages, and then we have it in the form of Parikshit Maharaj. And Sukadev, of course, and throughout there are many inquirers and many speakers. Mm-hmm. So we've met you in Kali Yuga at a time 
when the good qualities of the humans of human in human society sattva haram pumsam that in human society goodness is hard to find it's been taken away it's been stolen by the age by the influence of kali people aren't honest in a very basic sense and here for bhagavatam we're asking the highest form of you know of integrity how the bhagavatam start there it said dharma projitakaitavotro paramo nirmat saranam satam this is for satam nirmat saranam people interested in in the truth and what is the truth satyam param is the subject of the bhagavatam the highest truth so here we're finding in Kali Yuga, they're not interested even in being truthful about ordinary matters. Hmm. <laughs> to find someone interested in the highest truth. Hmm. This Sukadeva Sutta is thinking, this is my good fortune. How lucky I am. Hmm. Who can I share this with? And we see that, and we have to become acquainted with that. We are, we are here by good fortune, and we have a high interest. And we know we're being called upon for the highest um, degree of integrity, nirmat saranam, without it said negatively, no envy. No envy, nirmat means that you are able to appreciate the goodness of others. Envy is different than, than jealousy, I think, even in, in the psychological world. You know, of course, it's a different word, but they're similar, but the difference is that uh, that we cannot uh, and we cannot tolerate the good qualities of others. In jealousy, we, we may wish we had those good qualities, mm-hmm. but in envy, we can't even see the good qualities in others. Hmm? We cannot tolerate them. We can't if they if they have good qualities, we turn them into something bad. Have we not seen this? Hmm? Mm-hmm. Even amongst those who gather in the name of the Bhagavatam, and it's so unfortunate. This is this is Kali Yuga. And they call it philosophy, and it's just slander. <laughs> That's all. It's just absolute slander, and just envy, attacking the motives of people as if they, as if they, they, they knew them personally, and writing articles about them and so forth, of people who are who who are trying to do good, and represent the, their teacher and so forth, and um, to the best of of, of their ability. You know, this is the standard. It's, it's a rude awakening. Those who are devotees in Kali Yuga, they have a kind of a innocence about them. I, I tell you a story. Of a, there was a devotee who was born in the Braj and became a disciple of Prabhupada and then was transferred to Delhi to do some preaching. Had never been out of the Braj and had a kind of innocence about him that kind of characterizes the, uh, the devotees. And um, so he saw one fellow who was, I forget what it was, he had owned a shop and had a reputation for being pious. So he said, well, he'll, he'll surely want the Bhagavatam. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he thought like that, he'll surely he'll want the Bhagavatam. And he went to sell it to him and the guy, you know, harassed him and, and, and so forth. So, we, you know, we, the devotees have that kind of a, Innocence about them. They, one thinks others, the Bhagavatam says, to be like oneself. Hmm. 
So if you're actually a student of the Bhagavatam, then you kind of project that on other people. Like a bai is always projecting on other people. You know, they're going to become nice devotees. Why not? And so we have to tell them <laughs> they're not quite like that. <laughs> bai, <laughs> something we had to get used to. You're going to have to get used to it too. People come, they seem sincere, but they lie to you even, you know. And they do something else entirely different and happens all the time. We're, we're still shocked by it ourselves. <laughs> but we've seen it enough times to know that more often than not that may be the case. We start to be hardened a little bit, but then we continue to hear the Bhagavatam and our heart is softened. <laughs> and so this is what the Bhagavatam does to it. It, it does to it. It, it. If you really embrace it, 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 it makes you see no faults anywhere. Hmm? No faults anywhere. Nirmat saranam satam. Completely truthful completely in pursuance of the ultimate supreme good, satyam param, which is everywhere. Hmm? So you start to see it here, because that's what you're preoccupied with. Hmm? You even turn the actual faults of people into good qualities. What to speak of seeing their good qualities and turning them into faults. That is the Kali Yuga reality. And so we should band together. Hmm? Make a community, live together, <laughs> and um, forge another creation, if you will, as the Bhagavatam says. It itself is another creation. A little contact with that Bhagavatam can change the course of your life, it says, in a big, in a big way. It's another creation altogether. So here they say it like this: We this is good fortune, by just by good fortune, by luck, providence. We've met you. Hmm? Providence means God, of course, also, and it means these sages are working under the, for the will of God. Hmm? So, devotees moving for the purpose of God, and purpose of God is a no purpose, kind of a purpose. Um, it's he's moving out of ecstasy, out of love. Ultimately, when we really look close and separate this kapitamanusha, hmm, um, mentioned in the, in, the, in the verse we discussed in the, our previous section, Guddha kapitamanusha, Guddha, hidden mast. He, he appears to come to establish the Dharma, hmm, but there are other things on his mind. You know, he was in the Braj. He had rasa with the gopis, rasa lila. And then for four, five, six days, they weren't coming into the forest. He asked Manamungal, why? Why aren't you coming? He says, well, here's the word. And the word is, they're meeting with you. There's a rumors about town that he's meet, they're meeting with you. And there's a problem in this regard because uh, astrologically, it's not a good fit given your destiny. Hmm? So Krishna says, I guess I better fulfill my destiny, better get out of town. His destiny was to leave town for a long time, so how could these girls marry him? That was in his chart, to go to Mathura, to go to Dwarka, and so forth. So astrology can be (laughs) self-fulfilling. So he thought, I better leave town. What am I going to do? My reputation is spoiled. Hmm? There's a side of me that's here to establish Dharma. Hmm? Right? My rep- that side has to come out. My reputation here is spoiled if I just stay here. How am how I'm going to be able to establish Dharma? Hmm? So, we've got to leave town. 
I'll never make it here in the Braj now. My reputation is ruined. Of course, he goes to Mathura and becomes the great hero of Dharma and so forth. And the devotees of the Braj are, of course, hearing about that. He's sending messages back and and so on. But uh, people don't think of his dharmic activities in terms of his Braj motivations, and, and so which is what he's really all about. So um, complex um, personality. Um, yes, he has the purpose of establishing dharma, but that's like a byproduct of what he's really about, and so. The more you move away from what he's really about, the more there seems to be reason for what he does. Hmm? He comes to the world for a reason, to save the souls, to establish the Dharma, and so forth. Really, at the heart, he comes just to taste love, the implications of of rasa, further to pursue them. Hmm? That's kind of a reason, but that's... um, like I say, kind of a no reason reason. He just wants to taste love. So, so by providence, anyway, we've met. Means by the by the grace of the devotees, moving under the direction of the Lord, out of love for Him. Um, and I forgot here. Dustaram nistitishatam. Two words again describing Kali Yuga, the insurmountable. Um, well, insurmountable Kali Yuga that's difficult to cross over for those who have such interest. Mm-hmm. A time when goodness is destroyed, Karna Dara Ivarnavam. Mm-hmm. We've met you mm-hmm. and the ocean. Mm-hmm. Arnavam Karna Dara. Kanadhara, the, the, the ocean of Kali, it's an ocean of faults. Kalerdosha nidirajan asteko madguna. Kalerdosha nidirajan. It's an ocean of faults. It means it's fathomless and uh, faults everywhere. Hmm? So, uh, uh, in the midst of that, this ocean of faults of Kali Yuga where goodness has been destroyed and um, it's very difficult for those uh, who even have an interest to cross over, to cross over. We have met you, the captain, hmm? the captain of the boat. This is their poetry. We think that we have, very fortunate because we've, we have you as the captain of our, uh, like the Bhagavatam, like the boat, to cross over, and there are good instructions that are favorable winds and so forth. And, they're feeling some confidence. This is the contrast here. Uh, despite all these things about Kali Yuga and so forth, there's something very bright here, and we're feeling confidence. The darkness of Kali Yuga has a bright light to it, and it's it's you. And then they ask the last question, and of course, that takes us directly to the Bhagavatam. They say that... Um, Bruhi Yogeshwari Krishna Pramanye Dharma Barmani Swam Kastam Aduno Pete Dharma Kam Sharanam Gataha. 
since Krishna, the master, the absolute truth, the master of all mystic powers has departed to his own abode. Please tell us to whom religious principles have now gone for shelter. So there's the two things here. We've met you. We're confident in you. So we know that you know, the implication is, where Dharma is in the fullest measure, despite the fact that the person who personifies Dharma has left the world. You're still here. He's in you. So where will you direct us? So he'll give the answer in the third chapter. The third chapter answers a couple other questions here, questions about the avatars and their activities and so forth. Third chapter is all about the different avatars. At the end of that chapter, we have a glorification of the book Bhagavatam. So Sutta is the person Bhagavatam, and this is the text Bhagavatam. They go together. And there it said, what? Krishna Svadhamu Bhagavate Dharmagana Nivisaha Kolo Nasta Deshamesha Puranarka Dunodika Dunodita Puranarka Arka. This is a ray of light, the darkness of Kali Yuga. That the, this is the answer, of course, I'm skipping ahead to their question. Dharma, knowledge, well, this will all be protected by, by the book Bhagavatam. And the Bhagavatam is, Krishna, in other words, is an incarnation of Krishna. It comes in the avatar section. It's the book um, avatar of Krishna. The book incarnation. And um, you'll get light, Dunodita, from this Bhagavatam in the darkness of Kali Yuga. So, Bruhi Yogeshwade Krishna. Bruhi, please. Yogeshwade. They addressed Krishna as the master, master of all mystic powers. Brahmanye. He, he protects the, the, um, the pious, the Brahmins, the Brahmins. Protector of of uh, religion, it means, and uh, dharma, varmani, uh, it means uh, the armor of dharma to protect that. What will protect the, the dharma? Swakastam aduna upete. This means that Krishna has gone to his own abode. Swam custom. It means custom means custom. It, it means a, a continuous, ongoing status. This is kind of the idea. So he's gone to that place which is his, of his eternal nature. Instead, he's 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 gone there. He's he's left here. He's gone. There. He's always there, but he's taken the show and. And now it's invisible. So he's gone to his um, his abode. So we're left here. It's unfortunate. We're fortunate to have your association. We ask you, what is protecting religious principles, dharma and jnana and so forth, as Krishna was when he was here, establishing religious principles and so forth, to what will we look um, in, in Kali? This is the, the cusp 
the samdhyam between the two ages, Dwarpa Yuga and Kali Yuga, the onset of the Kali Yuga. And the answer is the Bhagavatam. Hmm. Hmm. The Bhagavatam and the person. Book Bhagavatam and the person. Bhagavatam. Krishna Kaviraj then has talked about Gornitai's descent. Samdo tam Samdo Tamonudo. They Tamonudo, they dissipate the darkness. They give the, the full the full wealth. Samdo and um, that wealth is praying that makes dharma, artha, and kama, and even moksha, the desire for these things, which is the subject matter of the greater balance of all these texts, look like the darkness of ignorance. He calls it kaitava, cheating, as the Bhagavatam says at its onset. Dharma projita kaitava utra, paramuni sutam. This is a different kind of book altogether. So Krishna says, Gornatai have come, they've given this, and here's how they give it. They, they bring us in touch with the book, the Granth, Srimad Bhagavatam, and the person who's relishing the mellows, the Bhagukaha, the Rasika, relishing the mellows of the Bhagavatam, the person Bhagavatam. These two together, we get praying. Nowadays people, in the name of Gorafeng Prabhupada, try to separate the Bhagavatam from the book, from the person Bhagavatam. He's left the book, that's all we need. He's there in his book. No, this is not the teaching. Bhagavatam has been around for a longer time since Prabhupada. We've needed, needed persons to explain it, comment, comment on it, and so forth. Sages are hearing it from Sutta Goswami. He just doesn't say, well, here, I'll write it down for you. Go and study it. No. So, in this first chapter, in this way, ends with a beautiful glorification of the Bhagavatam and the book and the speaker of the Bhagavatam. These two things together, again, we get brain from them in Kali Yuga. In the next chapter, we'll begin glorification of Sutta Goswami and um, um, so he's just slightly introduced and so forth as the guru of Sutta Goswami. Questions are answered, and then uh, uh, the questions and answers turn into a narrative, and the book ends up, the first scanto, moving in the direction of a more formal introduction of Sutta Goswami, who takes over in the second chapter. Then hmm? we get like, we get like, through the, through the words of Sutta Goswami, we, we're taken to the, you know, like in a movie, they have, you know, it goes and person starts talking and then you go to, into the into the from Naimashirani we're taken to the bank of the Ganges and Parikshit Maharaj's dilemma and his fasting until death and Sutta Goswami's appearance and speaking and so on. Any question? And so of course it should be pointed out and I've maybe Said, touched on this before, we see why the Yuga Avatar was the Yuga Avatar. The Yuga Avatar is the person who, who the incarnation of the Godhead who, who um, establishes the Dharma for the age. And here we find our Yuga Avatar is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, right? And what did he do? He embraced the Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? This is his book, the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Only, only the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Is then the Goswamis have have 
reasoned about that and demonstrated why the Bhagavatam. It's such a, it's so nice too because in such a way that no one else has done. In Kali Yuga, Ramanuja didn't do it, Madhva didn't do it, mm-hmm. Great Vaishnava charges, Nimbarga didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So we can see that in this sense that um, these persons are like precursors to the or introductory speakers on the great stage of uh, of uh, religious convention for Kali Yuga and and Mahaprabhu is the main main speaker. With Mahaprabhu out comes the Bhagavatam. No one on certain terms. It's very nice. It's very, of course, you know, we're speaking about it from within the Gaudiya tradition, but it's very objective. The, the, the Bhagavatam. There's nothing in the Vedic canon that compares with the Bhagavatam. There's no comparison theologically. And if we look at other scriptures in the world today, some people are down on the Koran of it apparently. And it's been coming out on the harmonist, and there's a big burning of the Quran scheduled in Florida by this uh, Christian church. And then the guy who's in charge of the troops over in Afghanistan said, "This is a problem. Our American soldiers are going to be put in harm's way because of the burning of the Quran in the United States, and, and so forth." So, Quran is not like the Bhagavatam. And, uh, of course, they're burning it because it's against the Bible. They would probably burn the Bhagavatam if they, if they could, too. Um, but um, comparatively, um, this, uh, this, if we take the yardstick of objectivity, we find something richer. Of course, Bhagavatam is about mysticism and experiential spiritual life. Religious life is also covered within there. It's a stretch to draw that out of the Quran. It's a stretch to draw that out of the the, um, the Bible. But in the name of wanting to be fair and say that all religions are equal, then these kind of—I don't think they're fair, objective comparisons. <laughs> Personally, I mean, we say it ourselves. In the context of the Bhagavad religion, there's a religious application, and there's experiential spiritual. Application. We don't think the two are the same. There really isn't kind of in the Bhagavad. The Bhagavad is really about atato rasa jignasu. Now is the time to inquire about rasa. It means finished religion. You finished Brahman. Now we're inquiring about rasa. This is its topic. Nigamakopaturo galitam falam sukumukadam drabasam yutam pibata bhagavatam rasam alayam mohuro rasikabuki babuka. And if you look at the three things, you look at, there it is. As I said, this is religion. Karma, jnana, bhakti. Hmm. It's not that complex. Oh, there's so many religions. How we sort it out? Hmm. They're talking, it's all there in Bhagavatam, just comparing the three and saying, um, the Gita bhakti here, and this kind of bhakti, Raja bhakti, this is the most we've seen. This is the churning of the whole Veda. This is the this is the butter that Sukadev uh, that Bias fed his son Sukadev. Butter. Hmm? He didn't come back from that forest for just anything. But for eating the butter, <laughs> he just churned the whole of the Vedic scriptures, hmm? which is like milk in itself, right? The milk ocean of the scripture. 
Well, gave him the butter and put it in Sukadev's mouth. Hmm. He became rich. <laughs> he became fatty with, uh, <laughs> with uh, rasa. Hmm. And he just squeeze him and <laughs> something comes out, something like that. So it needs to be, you know, it needs to be put in every hotel or something. <laughs> I used to remember uh, years ago when I did some service in New York at a temple in Brooklyn, and we'd come from Manhattan over the Brooklyn Bridge uh, into Brooklyn. And just as you come over there, there's this huge complex there of the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's a printing facility. I could just think, man, how many books they're printing in there? You know, here, you know, we're proud if we're selling books. You know, just coming back from Manhattan, you know, or somewhere at LaGuardia or something. You know, and I just sold, you know, so many Bhagavatams, and I see that, and I, Jesus, <laughs> they're like just putting out so many books. You know, and what is it? Of course, you know, there's an appetite for, the, for, for Kitri, You know, but for fine foods, then. As an acquired taste, perhaps uh, some scars required some suhridam, so sympathetic heart. It doesn't it doesn't come so it comes by sadhu sangha over time. But anyway, this is uh, we should be confident ourselves as we sit here, few people in a forest hmm, that um, our, we have good fortune. Person Bhagavatam, book Bhagavatam. This is sufficient to sail across the ocean of Kali Yuga, to turn the darkness of Kali Yuga into high noon, the dark moon night of Kali Yuga into high noon, bright and luminous. So, any question? Yes. Objectively speaking, the Bhagavatam is like the, the highest scripture. But it's, it it's, it's rich, it's depth. Yeah, yeah, it is the highest, yeah. But it, for some reason, it seems like scholars haven't like, picked it up or something. And I'm not saying they are objective either, but it's just like, I wonder why. Well, because they're not interested in experiential spiritual life. I mean, it, 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 there's a price tag to that, too. Hmm? And um, you know, it 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 says a lot. And it demands a lot. It says a lot. And it's as I said it's, the other day. It's it's Genesis is you know this um, the, as much as the sadhana, the the way the abhideya, the sadhana of the Bhagavatam is connected to the. The sadhya of Prem described in its pages as well. So the sadhya is Krishna's, God's most esoteric or introspective moments. So the sadhana that corresponds with that, that's very extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And so taking, if, if it's true that it takes one so high, so deep into the heart of the Absolute, then the price to pay is, is, is considerable. Mm-hmm. Take it up. That's one thing. The other thing is there's a huge Western bias to to what it, what's intellectually, um, you know, what has intellectual integrity and and, and so forth. And, and the majority of people, the whole Western education, 
is not is 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 it's changing a little bit, you know. But it, it's it's basically there's a Western bias as to what it means to be educated, and Western education has been influenced by Christianity extremely. You know, even the people who are against Christianity have imbibed. It's like the people who hate the GBC, you know, or or something like that. Um, or let's say let's say they don't, they really don't like Sridhar Marsh. But they don't. But they hate the GBC. But they don't realize that their understanding of them they got from the GBC and ISKCON. They can't get rid. You know, they don't can't trace it out. Hmm? They're carrying a certain bias, certain conceptions, and so forth. They got it from people that they've rejected, and they can't connect it. So, this Christianity is like that, and uh, Western education is is um, made little of Eastern thought, and it's very different. You know, I wrote this short little kind of cute piece about linear time, and uh, cyclical time, and so with this kind of uh, kind of an example. So prejudices imbibed in youth are are hard to overcome. I mean, I I've said things that make perfect sense. I mean, they're logically tight, and they, they, they you know they're. The English is correct and so forth. The educated people just said, what are you talking about? It's like mumbo jumbo. They couldn't really, it's so foreign to them. And, um, you know, the, here this, uh, it's very different, uh, very different culture. And the East is quiet and more subtle in its approach. The West is louder and more, you know, Conquering and, and and so forth. Um, so that's there too. Hmm? Um, you know, in the Western world, the people that became religious largely became religious in the Abrahamic school, and Christianity took over Europe. I mean, the Pope was the head of the world. That's incredible to think about. Hmm? And then, and then, you know, they began to write philosophy, and they found some things that, of Aristotle that they didn't know about, and kind of integrate faith and and reason and so forth. And then reason weaned itself from from theology, and this is the way the West has gone in complete ignorance of the of the East, even though there are some Eastern doctrines in Christianity, like the doctrine of the soul. I mean, you could say it comes from Aristotle and Plato, two different ideas, but they were influenced by India. If you go further enough, far enough back, you know, they have those, what are those guys called? The Neo, Neoplatonic, Neo Platonists, and so forth. They were kind of an Advaita Vedanta kind of idea and so forth. So, you know, and Greece isn't that far, I guess, from India, you know, comparatively. So, you know, from my perspective, what's good about it, you know, the mystical part of it, the soul part of it, hmm, rather than just the moral component of it, which has come to be everything. The moral component and this world has come to be everything. Bhagavatam is very, it's this world, but but very otherworldly as well. It's it's a total, it's, 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 it's about this world, it's about embracing this world, but from a very different perspective that looks on his face like, Rejecting the world altogether, hmm? and um, 
Western world, it's not about rejecting the world. It's about you know, embracing it and acquiring. you even got a religion that allows you to acquire. And the more you acquire, the more religious you must be. Hmm? That's, you know, been the thinking. So it's, it's very foreign. Hmm? Very foreign idea. That's why if your son becomes a Vaishnava, it's like a crisis. If, he becomes a, if you're born a Catholic and becomes a Protestant, it's like not, a, not that big of a deal. Hmm? If he becomes a Vaishnava, it's like a crisis. What is that? That's weird. Uh, they don't, you know. It, it's it's thought like India and all is going to catch up, you know, mm-hmm. eventually. Hmm? They're a third world country. They're behind, and so on. It's a testament to the power of Indian philosophy that it has inroads into Western civilization and it's is alive and well beyond its borders, and uh, it's uh, a lot of thoughtful. Educated people have have not a lot, but some enough that you know to 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 start to um, to give it credibility among some in the West and get an ear ear for it. Have a week and an ear for it. So give it some time, perhaps. Hmm. I don't see how it, I don't see how it could. The only thing that's hold, that what holds it off, what stalls it, is the devotees who don't understand the Bhagavatam. <laughs> that becomes a problem. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's very different. Look at Christianity. Christianity is like God came to the world. This is the world. It's right here. There's one universe. There's one planet that there's life on. You know, they'll think maybe different, but that's not how they thought originally. But Bhagavatam begins with life everywhere. You know, different universes. And so on and so forth. Now people are starting to think like that, and even in Christianity, they say, "Well, there could be life on other planets." I don't know that's possible. The Pope will say something like that, but that's not how it started out. This is all there is. It's right here on this globe. God came to Earth. He did this one thing, one time. Time began. Earth, world was created out of nothing. Adam, Eve story. God sent His Son. Then it's all going to end at a certain point, and that's it. That's the world. It started at a certain time. A certain point went off course. A certain point, God sent his son to give people a chance to get back on course. And a certain point, it's all over. You either got back on course, or you're done. And even your body comes out of the grave. I mean, and, and there you are with your family in heaven. I think it's something like that. Mm-hmm. Something on your mind? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just kind of wondering. I mean, we speak of um, the book uh, Bhagavad is sort of is entirety is the Granta Raj, and, but are there sections or that become maybe less relevant to someone who's advancing and advancing, since so much ground is covered in the text, theologically speaking, karma and jnana are touched upon. So are there portions of the text that become less important than others that are, you know, privileged in time? Surely, yeah. It, it, it's, you know, we say that it was spoken in four verses from Krishna to Brahma and so forth. And then uh, Vyas, the editor, is given in a Puranic kind of a setting. So he includes certain things in it that make it a Purana to fit it into the, into the Puranas. And, and so you have um, some, and those things have been mentioned in Tatpasandarbha. So the Jiva Goswami is, Seeking to tell us the Bhagavatam is the Guru and Thrush, and here's what's essential about it. Some of these other elements that make it a prana or may not are are packaging 
so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the 10th canto, which showcases the bhava of Braj, this is what it's about. Therefore, the Goswamis, when Rupa Goswami says that there are five powerful forms of sadhana that are, in and well, any one of them in themselves can bring perfection. Sadhu Sangha, Nam Kirtan, Bhagavat Shravan, you know, Sadhu Sangha, Nam Kirtan, one of them. Hearing the Bhagavatam, Jiva Goswami comments, that means the 10th canto. Mm-hmm. And in the 10th canto, we find even the gopis' names aren't mentioned. They're mentioned in the Padma Purana. Their bhava is described. So it's, it, that's what the book says it's about. Ultimately, mm-hmm. So, certainly, yeah. And, and, you know, the book is about Satyam Param, Dimahi, meditating on the Supreme Absolute Truth, as it says in the beginning and as it says in the end. So that's what it's about. And then there's a way of talking about it, to emphasize it. They want to say that the nature of the, of the truth is that there's a, Ongoing meditation upon it that's reciprocal. So there's a relationship with the Brahman that's moving in union and separation. And so it's all played out in the Leela stories and, and so forth. And you could say experienced like that in Bhava. So. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot to explain. I mean, we're finding, even to devotees who've been chanting for years, it's a lot to explain what is really the Bhagavatam really saying, right? And they will catch on to things that are, you know, not essential, mm-hmm. fringe material, as if it's this essence. So and then again, the person Bhagavatam is so important in that regard. All right, what is the time? Ten after eight. Okay, we'll stop there. Gandhara Simon Bhagavatam. Okay, Jai.